Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Kansas Governor Laura Kelly sits down with the STARS editorial board to talk about the issues in her state. You're on Deep Background. In November, Kansas Governor Laura Kelly sat down with the editorial board to talk about some of the issues that she will face when the legislature reconvenes in 2020. She talked about tax policy, uh, food, the food sales tax. We talked about education, Medicaid expansion, uh, her relations with other members uh, of the legislature and the government in Kansas. So today for Deep Background, we're bringing you some excerpts from that conversation. Here is Governor Laura Kelly. Uh, we're already thinking about the next legislative session. I'm sure so you are I. too. So <laughs> maybe we could just start there with just kind of broad strokes of, of the top things you're hoping to accomplish in the next session. Well, clearly number one on my priority list is the expansion of Medicaid. Uh, so that will take a lot of my time, a lot of my energy. Uh, but, you know, I we have not finished. Uh, you know, we we were able to fully fund schools, at least to the court's satisfaction, uh, but we need to make sure that we continue down that path. So uh, fully funding our schools again. Uh, we have promised that we would close uh, the Bank of KDOT, or we will attempt to close it by 2023. So we need to make another uh, investment uh, in our infrastructure. Uh, and then we still have uh, lots of other issues uh, that we need to deal with. And uh, you know, we've done some work in the child welfare area. Uh, more work needs to be done. And uh, probably one of our biggest deficits right now uh, is in the area of mental health and services to folks uh, with mental health needs. The uh, uh, consensus uh, revenue folks said you have another $500 million over the next two years, does that solve your budget problems? Does that create new ones, Governor? Where, where do you spend that money? Do you give it back to taxpayers? What's the Well, you know, $500 million sounds like a lot of money. <laughs> uh, it does. That, I know it does. It is a lot of money. <laughs> it, but it, it's, it is over two years, so you need to sort of uh, divvy that up somewhat. Um, I don't know uh, what we will do with it yet. Uh, I'm waiting for our Council on Tax Reform to come up with some recommendations, uh, both short-term recommendations that we might address uh, this in the 2020 session. Uh, I'm hoping that we'll be able to do something about the sales tax on food. Uh, and I'm also hoping that we can look at ways to um, encourage property tax relief on our local levels. So those are my two highest priorities uh, when it comes to you know, restructuring our taxes, um, but they'll also be then looking longer term to see what else we can do. But, um, you know, as, as much as we were able to accomplish last session, there's still more to do. You know, we, we sort of inherited a, a state that was de devastated um, and a lot due to being financially starved. And so we, we're really in the process of rebuilding 
uh, a whole lot of areas, education being one, roads being the other, our social service world uh, being a third, uh, but it goes beyond that. You know, you can look over into our Department of Commerce and you know, how we, we sort of undid uh, all of that structure so that you know, we no longer are able to attract businesses and, you know, and uh, provide technical assistance. So we've got a whole lot of work to do yeah. all across the but board. But do you have a sense, do you now have a feel for whether you think Kansans are overtaxed generally? I mean, you've appointed this commission. Mm -hmm. That gives you some, some indication that you think if we're not overtaxed, certainly the structure is not where it needs to be. The structure is definitely not where it needs it needs to be, you know, for a very long time now, we have been a very high property tax state. You know, and I mean, I think I might have told you all the story about when the tax cuts were being presented in 2012. I was running around the Capitol uh, with, with a graph um, that showed what the tax cuts would do, but then also with an, the um, Sunday feature in the New York Times where it compares the uh, Oh, different uh, homes, you know, uh, all the same amount what you what you pay in different areas. And the the one that I took out was um, a it was five million dollar home uh, in Boston. I think the taxes were thirty three thousand in Laguna Beach, uh, California. They were fifty five thousand in Austin, Texas. And we were trying to be just like Texas. Uh, they were one hundred and nine thousand. So I took that same article down to legislative research and I said, okay, so what does somebody in Sedgwick County pay on this? And it was 73000 So even back then, it, and it's not gotten any better, uh, and we're hearing it uh, from not only homeowners, but particularly out in uh, our rural areas. How did that happen? I mean, the state income tax level is fairly high. Sales tax, of course, is fairly high. Why are property taxes so high? Is it school finance, or is it is it local governments just overreach? You know, I, I don't know that it's school finance so much. I mean, you know, we, we really uh, have a very limited property tax uh, that we levy at the state level for schools. Uh, so most of that is taken care of then uh, at the local level. And there are, you know, there are boundaries, there are limits to what, to what they can do. Uh, so, I, I don't necessarily think it's that. Um, I'm, I'm honestly not quite sure how they got that far out of whack. Hopefully that's something that the tax council will be able to not only reveal how we got here, but what can we do to change it. Mm -hmm. Governor, I was with uh, Pat Petty recently, mm -hmm. and the Senator was panicked at our suggestion that you look at trying to give some sales tax on food relief to lower income. She thought that would actually be a a disaster. Um, have you had any conversations about that with, with her or other members of the It's a disaster. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think there are ways that you can do that, that it might not be a disaster. I, mean, I, think, I think what might be a problem is if we just try to do a wholesale reduction in uh, food sales tax uh, across the board. Uh, but there are ways that you can look. You know, we used to have the food sales tax rebate here in the right. state of Kansas where you targeted those for whom it would really make a difference. And you, you provided enough relief that it really made a difference in their lives. When you look at doing a, uh, you know, one cent uh, reduction in food sales tax across the board, it, it's a pretty heavy hit on the state budget. It does almost nothing for individual families. 
Hmm. So I think we, we need to take well, a good look at how we approach Because a one cent reduction would be a couple hundred dollars a year for families. I I mean, I don't, I didn't bring the numbers yeah. with me, but I don't think that's the case. I yeah. think it's a lot less. How confident are you that we're finally, finally, finally going to get Medicaid expansion? Well, it's not a done deal yet. So yeah. um, I do believe that we will get Medicaid expansion. You know, my concern is that we do it right. Well, what, what are the signals you're getting on what it might look like? Well, we've seen uh, yeah. what it could look like. You know, the, we, we've got the House plan uh, that was passed by the House last year and is sitting in the Senate. Uh, we've now seen the Senate Select Committee's uh, plan, uh, and we're waiting for our Council on Medicaid Expansion to finish their work, which is really to do a deep dive on what other states have done, what's worked, what hasn't worked, what's gotten tied up in court, what CMS has rejected. Take a look at that, and probably starting with the House plan, uh, you know, tweak that somewhat so that it, it ends up being best practice. Uh, and hopefully that's what we'll be able to get through the legislature. But would you have to have some, are you encouraged or not encouraged by Jim Denning offering a plan that at least gets you off square one of never ever having this Well, it certainly, it certainly provides an opportunity for the conversation. Um, I, I think it's imperative that you know we we look at the details in that plan, and we and we see what what can work and what cannot work. You know I think it, it's imperative that we do this in the simplest, most straightforward way that we possibly can. That will one provide the access to the most people. Um, two, it will be the least expensive, uh, and three, it won't cause administrative nightmares uh, and uh, and it won't also involve a, uh, you know an issue like reinsurance that doesn't belong in the Medicaid expansion discussion that has nothing to do with Medicaid uh, you know all that it does is provide you know, sort of ballast for the bill that could sink it uh, because not only uh, is that a very complicated process it's also, it would require a tax increase. Are there things in Denning's plan that are just absolute no-goes for you? What, what about his plan troubles you? Um, I think uh, the, the three different waiver approach, you know, where, you know, if, if this doesn't work, then this, if this doesn't work, then that, you know, that, that provides nothing other than delay. You know, we know what CMS will accept. Uh, and, you know, so what's the point in putting these other options in front of them? And I don't believe that we can do, th that CMS would take three options at once. I think they would say, you know, which one do you want us to deal with first? And so I think that's, that's probably a non-starter if, if we don't want to delay this. The reinsurance issue, I'm glad to, to have that conversation about reinsurance. I think it ought to be in a separate bill. Uh, and it ought to be under the auspices of the insurance uh, department. That's where reinsurance belongs because it, it deals with private market insurance, not with uh, Medicaid. So, you know, that one probably needs to be divorced from this, plus the tax increase that it would require. You know, this is just not something we ought to burden the Medicaid expansion bill with. So, so those are those are clear. I I don't like the um, sort of dragging agencies that 
you know, have nothing to do with Medicaid expansion uh, into the fold. You know, if we want to deal with workforce issues, uh, that's fine. Uh, we can do that, but let's not require that Commerce become like an administrative agency overseeing uh, that. And same thing about corrections. I'm not even sure we have the authority to do what's brought forth uh, in corrections uh, in, in uh, the Senate Select Bill. Uh, but however we do that, we, and I know we've got Medicaid in corrections. We, we've already got a process for working that out, so we don't need to add more uh, complications to the process and expense. Governor, what's the best argument against Medicaid expansion and what's the counter argument? There is no good argument uh, to not expand Medicaid. Uh, you know, we know that it provides access to health care, and why wouldn't you want to do that? Uh, a healthier workforce is a more productive workforce you know, to, to help you grow your economy, so that's important. We know that it creates jobs, uh, and we need those jobs here uh, in the state of Kansas, again, to grow our economy. And while I don't see it as a panacea for our rural hospitals, uh, you know, some will not survive. That's you know, we've seen that, and and we've seen in other states uh, that happening. But it would it would buy some time uh, to develop a different business plan and approach uh, healthcare in our rural areas in a different way. The hospital association is out working on that right now. This would this would buy some time. And then you know I just came from the Olathe Medical Center, and the amount of uncompensated care that they're providing is astronomical. Uh, and so. It's not Even just with a Obamacare. I mean, the whole idea behind Obamacare is you lessen. That's why you got rid of disproportionate share payments and other things because you'd have less uncompensated. Well, but but the deal with Obamacare, as it was originally planned, is that Medicaid. all states would expand Medicaid, right, right. and that would make up for the disproportionate share. And well, the, the disproportionate share went down, yeah. but we never expanded Medicaid, so yeah. we've actually left those hospitals in the lurch. And the individual mandate, for all practical purposes, went away. Exactly. So for, for more yeah. How much would expanding Medicaid cost per year in Kansas? Yeah, ultimately, I think we'd actually uh, see a plus in revenue. That's what other states, some other states have seen. You know, I think... Well, there's uh, a line item on the budget. Go to the legislature. Yeah, I think last year the line item was somewhere in the $30 million range. Annually? Yes. Well, that would that would alter as you know, some of that would be set up, you know, so it probably would decrease as time went on. But your proportionally. But the Kansas share is 10% of the expanded Medicaid. That's only $30 million a year. Governor, is that right? Is that what you're saying? Well, because what, what you're not thinking about is the money that we would save if we expended, you know, the, the things that we're spending on Medicaid now that we wouldn't have to spend. Corrections would be one area where we expect about an $11 million savings, that, and those were old projections that could be more at this point. So you've got those savings. Then there are some other folks uh, that we provide a fee-for-service Medicaid to that we wouldn't be doing anymore. So, so. it's a net of 30 yeah. million. Well, that's peanuts. Well, not peanuts, uh, but oh, it's... Well, you just said 500 million wasn't a lot of money. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah 30 that's million true. is not a lot of money. Oh, I, I think what we would get a, for the return on investment, yeah. uh, it, it would be one of the wisest things we could do next to early childhood education. Right. 
So there's likely to be a push in the next session to get an abortion amendment on the ballot. Interested in your thoughts about that and how you'll navigate that situation? Well, um, I really don't have um, much concern about that. Uh, you know, that's an issue that's been hotly contested for decades uh, in the state of Kansas. You know, it, it uh, will continue to be uh, un until uh, we put that out there and let the people um, express their opinions. Do you think that's a good thing to have voters weigh in on this? I do on this particular issue, yes, because I think we just haven't been able to uh, reach any kind of consensus legislatively, and so uh, let's let the people decide on So this. you would support, you would vote for it necessarily, but you would not oppose, not that you have any role. But, I don't have any role. Uh, uh, an amendment on the ballot next year that answers this, do you have a right fundamental No, I don't, I don't have a problem if it ends up on the ballot. Yeah. It's, it's a heavy lift to get a two-thirds vote, but um, you know, if, if that's the will of the legislature, then let the will of the people speak. More broadly speaking, do, do you think you can keep politics out of your discussions next year? I mean, you've got, right, you've got the <laughs> Senate <laughs> president is running for the not, US Not Senate. any year. <laughs> yeah, but certainly in an election year, a presidential election year, abortion may be on the ballot. I mean, it seems like things like Medicaid expansion and tax reform, whatever that takes, are going to be difficult in that environment. Well, I plan to approach it sort of the way I always have, is that, you know, let the politics play out. There's, there's nothing I can do about that. You know, all I can do is sort of you know, put my head down and, you know, present policies that I think are good, work with the legislature to get things passed that need to be done for the state of Kansas, and, and let the politics do whatever they're going to do in the process. I asked, you know, Sue Wago put out a statement today and you're all liberal and you're for liberal candidates and she's, you know, a consistent conservative. I mean, that kind of rhetoric will be fairly common among things next year. I, I fully expect that, but, you know, I've dealt with that now 15 years, so, <laughs> you know, that, that is nothing new. Uh, I don't let that, you know, sway me off course. Yeah. How do you see the race, the Senate race? Getting more crowded every day. Hmm. Uh, I yeah. think somebody else just got yeah. in, right? Johnson. Yeah, uh, school board uh, member. So um, I don't know. I'm just glad I'm not in it, and I just watch. <laughs> <laughs> that was Governor Laura Kelly of Kansas talking with the Star's editorial board. Let's take a break. We'll be back with more. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. Hey there, it's Leah. Hope you're enjoying the podcast. If you like what you hear, help us support this podcast and the journalism that reporters at the Kansas City Star do every day by subscribing. There's an easy way for you to do it. Head to kansascity.com background. You'll even get a special discount just for being a Deep Background listener. Subscribing at that URL will get you three months of unlimited digital access for $1.99 total. 
You get access to KansasCity.com, the e-edition of the newspaper, mobile apps, and more for three whole months, and it only costs you $1.99. It's a pretty sweet deal, plus you'll be supporting journalism that makes a difference in Kansas City. So grab your computer or mobile device and go to KansasCity.com slash background. And hey, thanks for listening. Dave Helling with the Star's editorial board. We're back now with Governor Laura Kelly meeting with the Star's editorial board. Governor, how strong is the Democratic bench in um, your state? Um, is my state not your state? We well, crossed the state line. Okay. 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 All states. All states. We claim both states. Um, getting stronger every day. Uh, you know, I think that. Um, and I think it's because of, of the message that, you know, the, the Democrats in, in the state of Kansas, particularly those that get elected office, generally are pretty common sense, middle of the road, moderate folks uh, who care about the same things that Kansans care about, you know, our schools, our roads, uh, health care. So, you know, I think we saw uh, a big switch in 2016, uh, particularly in this area. Uh, where you know, Johnson County went from you know, being very red uh, and pink uh, to you know, having a fair number of Democrats in it. So I think it's the message, though, uh, more than, than the party. I think people are just um, want people who are going to come in you know, with best interests of Kansans at heart. And, and right now, I think they've been finding that the Democrats... Uh, in many situations uh, provide that. There are a number of moderate uh, Republicans across the state who I think provide that same solace uh, to the people of Kansas, and hopefully they'll get uh, elected or reelected. Governor, we just had a, a driver in Overland Park run a red light and hop a curb after a collision and almost killed four kids. They were all injured, um, and they got a ticket. I'm wondering if you would support or maybe even lead the charge for increased penalties for people who use that something. Was, was that a drunk driving incident or just? No, it, it appears they were just trying to beat the light and they ran around. Uh, I'd really have to look at that issue. I, you know, it's the first time I was thinking about the one who, you know, crashed into the second floor of a building. Um, Jersey. Was, uh, that was something. Was that in Jersey? Yeah. Um, so uh, I'd have to, I'd really have to look into it. Also, before uh, I was I told could. that uh, somebody's going to put a hands-free bell in. What would you think of going hands-free on cell phone use in cars? I'd be all in uh, for that. Um, you know, nothing drives me crazier, faster than being behind somebody who's going like this, and then you drive by, and there they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, we've got the no texting law on the bill, but um, it, it's obviously not working. It works for me whenever I drive to Kansas. Good. <laughs> but not in Missouri? <laughs> I don't think they allow texting in Missouri. <laughs> I just know in Kansas, they don't play. So I 
I'm no. sure you've seen this uh, mass commutation they've done in mm -hmm. Oklahoma. I wondered if you had thought about it, doing something like that, or what the options might be. Well, actually, we, we had a lot of com conversations about sort of criminal justice reform, including you know not locking people up for low-level mm -hmm. kinds of crimes or you know, nonviolent crimes. So as soon as Governor Stitt uh, signed that, and, became, and I knew. Uh, about it, the first thing I did was uh, to get with my policy people and you know, let's find out, you because know, it could be that the sentencing laws in Oklahoma are different enough from mm -hmm. Kansas that they really have this right. mass number of people who were in there for you know, first offense, nonviolent crime. Uh, we need to look. I don't know, okay. uh, but the Secretary of Corrections and others are looking at that right now to see if there's any opportunity uh, for us to follow suit. You know, I mean, we've got an overcrowding um, situation, so we're actually looking right. for every opportunity to reasonably, right. um, you know, cut down our population in the prison. The one thing I will say, though, is as we look at this, I don't want to do something like that uh, before we've had an opportunity to build an infrastructure you know, so that we're not just send them out. out with nothing there. Um, and, you know, one of, the, one of the approaches that we're starting to take in Department of Corrections is really thinking about uh, our prisons as workforce training centers. And so we're, we're trying to build collaborations with our community colleges and others so that we're, we're really doing workforce training, you know, so that people could come out maybe with a certificate you know, and, and a job which will you know, greatly enhance their uh, likelihood of success. Uh, so, and I, I don't want to just open the doors and let a flood of people out. It's not fair to our communities mm -hmm. um, and, and not fair to those folks either. It seems like even though it was math, they call it mass commutation, it seems like it was case by case. A lot of them were the, as you said, low level drugs, mm -hmm. but some others were this case like this woman everybody wrote about who had a child endangerment charge, but her boyfriend, who actually beat the children, had been in two years, and she'd served 15 years. Yeah, I think yeah. I think there's all sorts of things to look at, yeah. and yeah, and I'm sure that they didn't just open the doors, right. but you know, I I don't know what Oklahoma did to build the the community-based infrastructure to ensure uh, what kind of success. What does it take to take the prison system from cumulative to rehabilitation, like it was intended? Well, some of it will be reinventing the wheel. You know, there there was a time uh, in Kansas when we actually had some pretty good uh, workforce training programs going on within our prison system. Those have, you know, taken a hit also uh, over time as we've had to cut budgets. Those are the first kinds of things to go. So some of it will be just putting that back in place. Um, I was talking to Senator Berger from Hutchinson um, a week or so ago, you know, he used to be president of Hutch Community College, and he talked about how the Hutch Correctional Center and Community College had this incredibly robust program 20 years ago. So I think we just need to look at some of those kinds of things, and then there are some new practices that have been developed uh, that that we will be exploring in hopes that we can put that in. You know, for instance, one of the things that I'm working on right now is have you heard of the JAG program, the jobs for America's graduates. It's a program that we've got in hundreds 
uh, of our high schools uh, across the state of Kansas. And it really t sort of targets those uh, at-risk kids uh, who are very likely to either not graduate you know, and certainly not graduate with the skill set. And so they're working in a whole host of our schools all across the state to move those kids into the workforce upon graduation. I want, I'm trying to get the JAG program in our juvenile correctional facility so that you know they're providing those same kinds of approaches for those kids. Can you do the, the other related subject, of course, is marijuana in Kansas, and there's been an interim committee that has, as I understand, made a recommendation to move toward medicinal <laughs> marijuana in the state. Do you support that? You've said in the past you support I medicinal do. marijuana. Is 2020 the year to get that done, Governor? Or? I think it might be. I think that I think there is a lot of interest uh, in, um, in, particularly in legalizing medical marijuana. And um, you know, it's good that the committee actually sort of brought that recommendation forth. That gives it a lot of legs. You know, what we need to make sure is that we have got the structure again in place to make sure that it's well regulated and and implemented correctly, so we don't have a free for all. Yeah, I mean, Missouri is going to have it soon. Mm -hmm. I think Oklahoma allows it. Yeah. Colorado, of course, everywhere. That also increases the pressure on Kansas to some degree, doesn't it? That you're surrounded by by states that allow it. I mean, I think one of the concerns here is people getting medicinal marijuana in Missouri and then driving across state line and suddenly being in legal jeopardy. I mean, that's the kind of problem that needs to be fixed fairly quickly, don't you think? Um, I think so, but you know, I've been there for a yeah. number of years. I thought we should have done this a long time ago. It was, it was clear to me when I was sitting on the health committee and there were families bringing in their children with Dravet syndrome, which is you know, serious seizures, you know, over and over, hundreds of times a day. Um, and once again, I don't know if it's cure-all, but there there were clearly cases of marijuana significantly so reducing. That it helps. They well, and and there was some evidence that that's true. You know, the same thing uh, with pain relief. Uh, is that you know there there's enough evidence now that it really can be useful uh, for that, which might significantly reduce um, our opioid right. addictions. So there there I think there are a lot of reasons that we ought to be doing that in a well-regulated structure. Maybe the year. I hope so. Another sin-related thing is gambling, sports gambling, mm -hmm. which Kansas continues to wrestle with. Can you give us your views on where that stands and where it should be? I've been supportive of um, sports gambling. Um, Is 2020 the year to do it in Kansas? We got really close last year. Yeah. There was just sort of a last-minute uh, problem that uh, prevented it from going forward. We ran out of time. Uh, but I think parties have come together, and I think they've worked out some uh, compromises. So, yeah, I think there's a really good shot. What is the biggest bone of contention between the two sides? Oh, who is going to get it, you know? <laughs> yeah, and, and how much the state would, would take. Uh, so right, I think, and whether the leagues would get any money and whether you could just do it at casinos or whether yeah, you could do it online. If I'm not mistaken, the leagues have sort of backed off of this, um, but 
it's still a matter of, you know, where, where do you put it? Do you put it at every street corner? Do you put it just in, in the casinos? Do you, so those are the kinds of things that have to get worked out on this. But you're pretty confident. Sounds confident. Do you think that's going to happen? I, I think so, because I, I do know that they've been meeting. Uh, there have been several meetings over the interim uh, on that issue, and I, th I think they're coming to consensus. If I could circle back to tax policy for a minute, it's almost certainly going to be a Republican effort to repeat what happened last year, which is this Probably. Trump tax. Tell me where you think that stands and whether your views on that have changed. And it was particularly frustrating for us that they put the food for me, for us, for the sales tax on food in with the tax reform, because I think they're two different issues and two different ways to deal with it. Could you talk about that a little bit? Well, I fully expect that it will come back, uh, no doubt. Um, Particularly with this increased revenue estimate, people are going to say, oh, we need to send that back to the people. You know, the thing you need to do, though, with increased revenue is people get, wow, look at all that money. But just do the profiles and go out a few years and watch when you know we're estimated to go back into the red. It doesn't take all that long to do that. Uh, we really need to stabilize our budget before we make any really massive uh, changes to it. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping that they don't present that again, um, but I'm hoping that we are able to address the food sales tax issue, uh, and as I said before, the, some property tax relief, if there's any way that we can possibly do that. Because, you know, you asked me before why property taxes are so high. One of the realities of, you know, the last probably even more than the last eight years, nine years, uh, is that you know, we used to have something called the ad valorem tax, um, that, and it was revenue sharing with our local units of government. Uh, it's still on the books, but we don't do it. And I, we haven't done it for years. You know, that's what allowed them uh, because to keep their property taxes more stable rather than having to raise them is because we were sending some money back to our locals. Yeah. We don't do that anymore. But you th do you think the property tax problem is a matter of levies by individual governments or is it a problem with appraisal and classification? I've, I haven't dug down that deeply. Uh, I know that, you, I know there are, different challenges there, are there are concerns about appraisals, um, you know, but more the concerns that I've heard you know, is that uh, yeah, the, the, well, the, 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 what is it, what do they call them, the dark something, the big box? Yes, things. big box stores. Yeah, yeah. so, that yeah, too. and that's a huge issue, I yeah. know, in Johnson County. But do you, so how do you put that all in one package, or even should you put it in one package? Should you do property tax reform, big box reform, sales tax reform in one thing? Or should you say, let's deal with sales taxes, let's deal with property taxes, let's deal with... Oh, in a perfect world, you deal with them separately, uh, but it's most likely things are going to be packaged. They always are. Uh, what I'm hoping is that we, we package things that we can afford, that we need to do, um, and that we, we can live with in one, and that you know, the other kinds of things that people know what I've done before, they can anticipate I might do that again. You know, if they would not mingle those, it would yeah. be much appreciated. I mean, it wasn't so much, you know, you know, it wasn't so much you couldn't afford the tax cut last year, it's that it was going to rich companies. I mean, it was, that was part of the problem. No, it really was. I mean, you, you might be concerned about the dis 
distribution of uh, the tax cut, but I was more concerned at the bottom line because you know that was five hundred million dollars. You know that's exactly what we just had to put into our schools. You know, so that was. Yeah, but you just got five hundred million dollars. You didn't anticipate. So, I mean, the argument is clear. Actually, be able actually, to actually, I did. Oh. I mean, I, d I didn't anticipate five hundred million, but I had no doubt that uh, things would go. Um, to the good uh, in the budget uh, because the revenue estimates uh, were, were very conservative. Uh, and, and I'm glad that they were. It helped you know, sort of control spending. Uh, but I, I wasn't surprised when the revenue estimates came uh, out the way that they did. But you know, unquestionably, the Republicans will try and say, look, you got all this extra money that you didn't plan for. Let's give it back to the people in an election year. That seems inevitable. Well, and I will do the same thing that I did last year. Is I will show them the facts uh, and you know, let them look out. We should not be legislating you know, by a week. We, we need to be legislating for the long haul. And so you know, we, we just need to lay out and make them un or help them understand uh, where, we are, where we're going. So he would veto, it sounds like he would veto again the tax package that include any tax reform related to the federal. If they presented to me again what they presented last year, yes, I would. That was Governor Laura Kelly meeting with the Star in November to talk about important issues in Kansas. These were some excerpts from that conversation. We'll save some of the other things that the governor had to say and bring them to you as we get closer to the 2020 session, which begins after the Christmas holidays. I'm Dave Helling. You've been on Deep Background. 